Greetings, my nerds, and welcome to the Northwest Nerd Podcast, where we cover pop culture, science, and technology with a Pacific Northwest focus. My name is Nick Jarin. And I am once again not nominated for a Golden Globe Award, Dyer Oxley. On today's magazine episode, we get into quite a bit of comic book movie news, including Black Panther getting nominated for Best Picture Drama at the Golden Globes. It better win. We also talked about a new type of space race that includes a unique prize at the end that I I really didn't expect. After that, Dyer's feature for this magazine episode is a profile of Seattle's comic book cop, Officer Kevin Stuckey. It's a it's a profile of a nerd in the community here and how comic books and the characters in them have influenced his path through life and life as a police officer, especially. That's coming up right after the news. <laughs> Dyer, I don't know if you knew this, but awards season is heating up, and that can only mean one thing. I'm either going to be very glad or very upset that Black Panther is not winning everything. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think this was going to be essentially when Black Panther came out, what, last February? Then full circle this time of year, your your Black Panther fervor is just going to get stoked again? I've been saying for all of 2018 that this is the year of Black Panther. It's the biggest movie event to happen the entire year. It's the greatest and most impactful film of the entire year. And it's it just was able to do things on a level and on a stage that no other movie was able to do. No other movie that made as much money as it did and got in front of as many people had such a powerful message. Well, as it was a worldwide movie. phenomenon. Too, yeah, so. worldwide. Um, which if you look at, which I'm assuming what you're talking about is the Golden Globe nominations. Black Panther gets right in there for Best Picture Drama. The first comic book movie ever to get this nomination at the Golden Globes. And look, I know that as a sane human being, I shouldn't really get upset about whether or not these award shows and the Hollywood foreign press in particular see the merit of a movie like Black (laughs) Panther. Like, it does not affect me whether or not it wins these things. But I care anyway. And you know what? I think that that's like the biggest stamp in my nerd passport that I I care so much about. It's little just like respect for my favorite IP type nonsense. So is this going to be the very first, you know, Nick Jarin Golden Globes hosted party at your place <laughs> that you've ever done? It you get the, the little papers out and everybody has to put their vote down. This is the first your, time your you're going to do this. Your Golden Globes ballot. Uh, I won't go that far, but it will be the first time that I've ever made a point to tune into the Golden Globes. Right. <laughs> yeah, I usually just catch them the day after. I, I have kind of a little bit more cynical view of this in the Oscars. I know Not you're even as. more out on the Oscars than I am. Those yeah. those nominations don't come out for it's either a, a few more weeks or even into the new year that those nominations come right. out, and those ones are even bigger. That and I have no faith. Black in Panther that. better be up for Best Picture there because it it bodes well that it's up for Best Picture here. The only thing that bothers me about the nominations at the Golden Globes is that none of the actors, uh, the director Ryan Coogler was not nominated either. Right. Um, the only two other nominations that it got were for uh, the music including uh, the the fine work done by Kendrick Lamar and SZA on All the Stars, which is an excellent song and an excellent soundtrack, uh, which was also nominated for a ton of Grammys this week as well. But I think it's kind of bad news for this thing possibly winning this award that it wasn't nominated for the other key, like, major acting and directing categories, which I'm surprised Michael B. Jordan didn't make that cut. So, yeah. the So... 
Best Picture Drama category, we've got five films. Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, If Bill Street Could Talk, and A Star is Born. And, and that's the one that sticks out at the end right there, right? I like knew that's... I was going to set you off. So. But let me, let, me, let, me, let me say why this is yeah, important. Yeah, no, sorry. Black I'm, Panther I'm getting into Best Picture Drama at the, uh, at the Golden Globes is a triumph enough just for the start. Superhero movies haven't made it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in this year's nomination, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has been nominated for Best Animated Film. Deadpool got a comedy nomination in 2016. Um, and so there's been some stuff there. I looked up for the Oscars, um, for awards there too. Uh, Suicide Squad won Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Uh, Superman. Cosplayers rejoice. Superman, (laughs) Christopher Reeves won Best, uh, or won Special Achievement Award, which I've never quite understood what Special Achievement? I've never understood what that means. Is that like a lifetime one? You know what? It doesn't matter. Let's move on. It was special. Uh, The Dark Knight won Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role. For Heath Ledger. Best Achievement in Sound Editing. Effects Editing is usually where you get with a lot of this stuff. You never really get it. the technical ones. Right. So the fact that it made into a, a drama category, Best Picture Drama, I mean, that's a pretty big deal alone right there having said that to do that annoying little cliche phrase there it does get a little troubling that usually when a film really knocks it out of the ballpark you do see things that are echoed with actors directors score and so forth and we're not seeing that here black panther really makes it into the best picture drama um so that has a few people nervous um i will say that if if i was gonna pick a couple off the top here Honestly, my, my best picture for out of this list isn't Black Panther. It's it's gonna be and and uh, don't no, nobody get mad at me <laughs> just, or anything. I'm not gonna it's like Black throw Klansman. something. At I think you. Black Klansman wins it out. Like honestly, that it was that an excellent film, movie. It was an excellent film, really and, good movie. And Spike Lee, I don't think really has. Uh, I think he had Chirac and a few other films that haven't really caused as much of a sensation as this one. But Black Klansman really, really knocked it out of the ballpark for me. And that's, yeah, I think that (laughs) the two movies that have the most to say about America on there are Black Panther and Black Klansman. And despite one of them being clearly like the more straightforward one with a lot to say about America and race being Black Klansman, Black Panther, I think, has just as much to say and was able to do it in an entertaining and accessible enough way that droves and droves of audience went and saw this thing and in some way that's its own award like it won at the box office it got 700 million domestically which is already an achievement internationally it's a billion dollar movie which is a special class of uh achievement for movies at the box office this thing has in a sense already won however it will be a travesty to me if it doesn't also win these awards because the favorite the front runner for all of these things like I, I I like to listen to uh like Oscar watch type podcasts and things like that. Yeah. For whatever reason I like to enjoy in in the award season jockeying. A Star is Born along with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga and Shallow, the the lead song off of the soundtrack, seem to be the front runners for all of these things and every argument that I hear against Black Panther why it can't be one of why it can't be the front runner is that well, it's at the end of the day just a comic book movie. The last mm. third of it is a bunch of smash 'em up nonsense. Story that writing. You see in all of this kind of thing, and uh, it it really doesn't follow through one hundred percent with the through line and the promise that you get from 
that beginning and middle section where you get the philosophical debate between T'Challa's point of view and Killmonger's point of view. It eventually just becomes a fist fight and blah, blah, blah. It becomes boring to, to a lot of film critics or uh, Oscars horse race type people. This is the exact same argument that could be applied to A Star is Born. This is literally a remake. <laughs> Not only has this movie been done before with Barbara Streisand, I think a legend in her own right. Fifth time? I don't even Something know. Like that. Here's the thing. There's been TV versions of it. There's yeah. been film versions of it. This is a remake of a remake of a remake's remake. And somehow the derivative uh, argument has been attached to Black Panther instead which is a groundbreaking movie which sneaks into the comic book genre and thus gets way more eyeballs on it. Yeah. Like I, I can't understand how A Star is Born is getting this this amazing praise for its achievement for being a remake and something that's really like classic Hollywood, like we see one of these every couple years type movies. We've never seen Black Panther before. So you're right. Never. Black Klansman should win. I agree with you. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually... I'm just saying that well, when, you, when you put the favorite up against Black Panther, the same arguments that they're using to tear Black Panther down yeah, apply no. to the favorite. No, I think, I think you're Not spot the on. favorite, the movie, but A Star is Born. And I, was, I have born. seen A Star is Born. Um, it's fairly well predictable. Um, I haven't seen anybody pee their pants on screen before, so I guess there's that. Um, but Wait, have you not? No, not really. Not you got to like, watch more Farrelly like Brothers movies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, uh, I have seen one recently, The Green Book, which is also nominated for a few things. Uh, the thing that uh, I will throw out there, and it's neither like a here nor there type thing. I don't, I don't know. Just the thing that has probably stuck with me the most out of uh, Black Klansman was Terrence Blanchard's music for it. Mm. Did not get any love. Um, I hope it does get some more. But man, does that just? It just. Uh, I have it on CD. Um, Wow, you bought cool. a physical disc of it. I got it for free from a film reviewer. So, okay, all uh, right, well, that counts. <laughs> I'm going to still claim it. <laughs> but, man, it is so. you put that in there, and that's just one of those things that, like, if you're just driving around and you just want to, like, get into some deep thoughts. Yeah. It is. He's he's really He never really came on my radar until I heard the guitar work in this particular mm -hmm. uh, soundtrack. It's just really good, and I'm, I'm pretty sad. I'm really sad. That he did not really get the love that he should have got on this one. Neither here nor there, but yeah. So, Black Panther, up there for best drama if it doesn't win. Now, if if you had to shave off Star is Born and Black Panther, and I think we're pretty aware of your love of Black Klansmen. If you had to choose them between Bohemian Rhapsody and If Beale Street Could Talk, yeah, which I haven't seen. Neither Beale of Street. which I've seen. Oh, okay. So if you just had to choose randomly off the if top Bill of your Street head. If Bill Street Could Talk isn't even in wide release yet. Yeah. Well, that's not a surprise. So, like Spider-Verse hasn't even been released. Yeah. Yeah. And that's on, I guess, the critics of our. Yeah, seen the critics it. have seen these things. But just in terms of timing, yeah. every award season tends to have a little bit of recency bias. That's why there's like an award season of movie releases where they waited until a certain exactly. time of year to release Hit A Star is Born. Spot. Because if it came out in January when Black Panther did, no one would care anymore. Right. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's another that. testament, I think, to the impact because if Black Panther did come out at the beginning of the year, probably with the notion that we're not expecting this to go anywhere on the award yeah. circuit and it's still there, that's, I mean, that's pretty good. And it's from a studio that traditionally has not tried very hard to win awards either. Mm -hmm. Disney is not known for winning 
uh, Oscars or even yeah, Golden Globes. That's another good point. Yeah. They're not used to campaigning, and sadly, when you need when you know exactly who the voting body is on these things, in this case, the Hollywood Foreign Press, and with the uh, the uh, Academy Awards, the Oscars, the uh, Academy of Film, whatever people. Uh, you know exactly who to lobby. That's not something that Disney does. That is something that, um, shoot, now who made A Star is Born? Paramount? I have none. Anyway, that is something honest, that the other studios are much better at. I don't hate the movie as, as much as I think people that are out there hating it. I just, I don't know. It's, it's some of those movies where I saw it and I'm like, that happened. I knew, Yeah. I, just like you said, like I'm watching, I'm like, okay, so-and-so's going to die and so-and-so's going to have an addiction. And I mean, it was, it's, it, it's A Star is Born, yeah. you know? Um, we've seen it before one other uh, just slightly nerdy um, Golden Globe snub because there are some sci-fi elements to it and an excellent soundtrack to go along with what you were talking about sorry to bother you completely blanked at the Golden Globes which I thought was terrible because it was one of the most impactful and like original and stylistic movies that I saw I can see it just because it is it's it's, very strange kind of like it's strange but it's also one of these kind of like underdog films that kind of comes up and surprises you um, I don't think a lot of people were as aware of it, um, but yeah, I think you got me into that film. So yeah, that was, did. yeah, we watched it together. I know. Um, <laughs> at Sif, that was super great. fun. Definitely, definitely up my alley. You say it's like weird or or it's a little bit out there. That's right up my alley. Though. Yeah, so, no, that movie is. Um, you, th- there are several points in that movie where you're like, well, it's not going to get any weirder than this, <laughs> and then it does. It was and if awesome. you haven't seen that yet, uh, dear listeners out there. Please watch it. Just keep the kids out of the room when you do. So if I had to choose between those other ones, I'm going to say Bohemian Rhapsody just because, one, it's a Freddie Mercury thing, and, and I have my bias there, but also because Rami Malek needs to be credited far more than he does right now. Uh, he needs to be out there in, in the front. All right, let's move on to uh, some, some science and technology news as well before we mm-hmm. get into more pop culture. So I'm going to bring you back to 2011, Okay. That was the last time we put a little space shuttle up there from American soil, Space Shuttle Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commander Chris Ferguson led this ceremony. Upon that launching, uh, there was a flag that they were going to bring to the International Space Station. They did that, and they left it there. And It was this kind of symbol that we're coming back. An American flag. An American flag. Right. Because Americans haven't launched from American soil to go up there since 2011, Russia has been carrying the weight for that. It's basically yeah. been sending astronauts up there. We've because we shut down the space shuttle program. We shut down the space shuttles program, and we have been sending cargo, but no astronauts. So it's kind of been a little bit of blow to our you know ego, or just to the the sentiment that uh, or the feeling that you know we're actually part of the space. We're part of the space. Um, <laughs> we're active in the space. We're active yeah. in the space. Um, and now there are two astronauts who actually were part of that very last space shuttle mission, who are now competing head-to-head to go back there and get that flag. Because that was the whole point. We're leaving the flag up there because we're coming back for you. Ooh, so what you're saying is there's a new space race. There's a new space race. So first up, one of them is Commander Chris Ferguson. And Chris Ferguson is now working for Boeing out of Florida. And he is working on the space shuttle to get back up there. Boeing is our northwest uh aerospace company obviously so that's our little local connection here he wants to get back up there he wants that flag but he's got competition nasa has two astronauts bob bankin whose name i'm saying wrong and doug hurley and they are working for spacex on their new ship called the crew dragon and hurley 
was the guy that actually flew the flag up there last time. So he left it there. And he's going to be on Dragon's program to try to go back up there and get it. So now we have Boeing, whatever they're calling it, but it better be as cool as Dragon. And then SpaceX. (laughs) That's going to be tough. SpaceX, who is going to be, uh, you know, going up there as well. And they're vying to be the next contract for NASA to bring astronauts. I'll again say this. Not cargo, but astronauts, people, to actually bring them to the International Space Station and bring that flag back. So now we have a little bit of competition. Two astronauts once you know, on the same side are now going head-to-head, trying to think of a good, like, uh, I don't know, comic book Civil War or something like, I don't know, like, good, like, head-to-head, like, metaphor here. But essentially, Boeing, hopefully, fingers crossed, if we're, you know, support local, (laughs) if you want to do that, we'll go up there and actually bring it back. But um, it's kind of a symbolic thing that we're actually going to start launching again from the ground up to the International Space Station from American soil. It also has larger impacts uh, for what we're actually going to be doing to send astronauts to the moon, to the gateway station, to eventually get over to Mars. So, I mean, it's a pretty big step. Whichever company gets this is going to be at the forefront of the space economy <laughs> and actually kind of get us up back there in space, back batting on the team. Yeah, I'm what, trying to uh, think of a good metaphor here, but I'm like, I'm coming up short what it, here. What it seems to, like it's uh, it's almost like a tail of the tape a boxing match. Like in one corner you have Ferguson right. and the uh, the Boeing crew, right. and in the other one you have Hurley and Crew Dragon from yeah. uh, from SpaceX, which really does sound way cooler. But I'm pulling for Team Boeing for some reason. Well, yeah, because they're local. What, what what would be a better ship name than Dragon? Then I mean, is there anything we could pull from Game of Thrones Phoenix. or the Phoenix? It's got to be like an equally epic. Mythological yeah. beast, I think. Phoenix right. is a really cool. The Boeing Kraken. Nah, uh, that's too aquatic. The Boeing. It's got to fly, right? Yeah, it's got to fly. The Boeing Falcor. Falcor oh, would be cool. Ooh, I like Falcor a lot. Yeah. You hear that, Boeing Falcor. Falcor. Although, and it could lead to your never-ending Blue story Origin. in space. <laughs> Blue Origin already has a Falcon. Ooh, yeah. So that could be tough. Yeah. Depending on font, it could look like the same word. Yeah. Alrighty. So not only Falcor, but good graphic designer. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta get work I'm on for the, that one. Get a get a good paint job. I love this story. Um one of my favorite excerpts from the uh the CBS news piece that you sent me about this was they were asking Ferguson about what it'll be like to go get that flag if he's the one who doesn't. Not just read directly from the piece here, the quotes back and forth. What would that be like? And Ferguson says I think it'll be anticlimactic. I think it will be largely symbolic in nature. The interviewer says, oh, come on. And finally, Ferguson realizes he's like, okay, it'll be pretty cool. <laughs> and I love that. I love that we have astronauts who haven't lost that, like, that, that sense of wonder of being in space, even though what they're vying to be basically is a ferry service between, yeah. uh, between Earth and the international space station that's that's just so cool i think it's the step though i mean just we've been out of the game and we need to get back into it because if we do this then yeah the moon is next and that gateway project we really need to get onto that you know if you remember our the interview with stephen smith Gateway. that's that's the one from stargate where we start jumping into different exactly uh, right on board yeah it's it's gonna be up there orbiting the moon right with the space elevator yeah keep on inventing for some reason Stephen Smith was saying, like, they used to have a lot of money in NASA, and now they really do rely because they only have, like, 0.1 or 0.6% of the GDP is actually thrown in. So they really are they relying a on these contracts. fraction of what they used to So be. they really need Boeing. They really need a SpaceX or somebody to really kind of step in there and get those ships up there so we can move on. So, I mean, there, there is a larger 
you know, uh, picture here that yeah. this will be like one step towards that. But anyway. Yeah, we'll see which one wins and uh, what the future of that is. It's also a great argument for um, just publicly funded innovation being the thing that drives forward through um, yeah. private industry. You know what I mean? Thank like, you, satellites and heart transplants yeah. and, and cell phones. iPhones that couldn't exist. Laser without, eye yeah. surgery. Mapping technology. <laughs> yeah. All these things that came from like publicly funded research that we use all the time in consumer yeah. products now. It's the same kind of stuff with uh, the space economy that we've been talking about. Like it's, it's somehow become a theme of this season that we keep on coming back to this, but things keep on happening. But I mean, it's... It's just a great argument for publicly funding innovation. That's how these things happen. It's mainly because that's where my antenna's tuned lately. I've just been <laughs> interested in it. Anyway, You're just uh, moving on. Speaking kind. of looking sky high. Yeah. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Lois Lane leaving the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> or at least oh, that's... gosh. The transition is just so great there. I know. That's the headline I would have written, but uh, I'm surprised I didn't see that anywhere. So this was uh, from a... From a actors on actors chat between Amy Adams and Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman is going to be in the new Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Amy Adams, of course, is the actress who plays Lois Lane in the rest of the DC Universe. Um, the rest of the DC Universe movies. This was uh, from Variety early on in the chat. Um, Amy Adams, I'm just going to read the quotes here, which were uh, excerpted by io9. I think I'm out of the DC Universe now. I think they're revamping it. I don't know the details. And this came as a bit of a shock to both Nicole Kidman, who was up there face to face with her and right. didn't know that, but also to fans of the movies or fans of just the DC universe in general, that they don't know what's up with Lois Lane, who is a very key character to let, the Superman movies. Let me, let me lay something out here for you. Exactly. Lois Lane, key character in the Superman movies of this DC universe that they have right now, which they call like what DC Worlds or some other thing. I don't know what they're calling it. I think they called it the DC EU for a while. I e know. for like Oh, you know what? I don't remember. They yeah, exactly cuz like most of their films you don't remember much about them. But so the DC universe uh has this key character Lois Lane in the Superman films now saying, "I don't know what's going on. Nobody's talking to me. I think they're revamping it." Talking to an actress that is in Aquaman that has yet to even come out that is in that universe. It's got like two more weeks before that one comes out. Saying, oh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know if our universe is even going to exist. Good thing that you have your film coming out, but that might be your only one thing. Best of luck. While everybody else in Flash is going, wait, what? Because Flash is going to come out, what, next year or something like that? So that's still out there somewhere. 2019 or 2020. I think it's the next one, though, after Aquaman. So they might be pulling a Spider-Man on this one where they just revamp this film series and just say, okay, everything sucks. Henry Cavill, uh, Cavill, Cavill, Carville? Cavill? 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 James Carville? I'm going to say Cavill. Um, <laughs> it's he, Henry Cavill. I think it's Cavill. He is now pulling his weight because, hey, he's the Superman in the universe. You're going to have to pay him a lot more money. There was a whole controversy with Shazam where he wouldn't even show up for the right price. I think they're Did just- Did that come out already? No, not yet. Okay, so that one's next after Aquaman then. Yeah, but I mean, then there's even like a whole thing of whether that's even in the universe or not, because no one else shows up in it. It's just Shazam. Okay. Um, I kind of prefer it that way. Right. But that's the thing. So is now the DC universe that they've been building, which has been wishy-washy at best. Yeah, they ke- they change people. direction every single film. If they well, yeah. If they could bring in a decent team, I don't have. I'm going to see Aquaman early, but I don't have much high hopes for it. To be quite <laughs> honest, um, they, it seems like they have all these factors that should work right for them. Yeah, like we were talking about this Jason earlier. Momoa is Aquaman. Right. Perfect. Should work. That sounds right. amazing. 
Now let's put him in front of a green screen and just film it. Like, you don't learn your lessons from everything that went wrong with your previous films. And then we look at a trailer that is just nothing but CGI with sharks fighting seahorses or yeah, something. It looks really bad. It looks terrible. Just like breaking physics by having people quickly swinging around weapons underwater. Like, the fluid dynamics of that don't make any sense. Well, he is a superhero. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's the thing. Even like, the strongest things underwater don't move that way. <laughs> that's that's the thing is I you, you I feel like they should have learned lesson after lesson after lesson with all these previous films. Yeah. And no, they either have too many yes men or they're just not listening. I'll go back to that press conference I talked about last season with Zack Snyder and his team. They had somebody pulling the press around the set for uh, the next Superman, Batman, uh, or whatever. Justice League. We learned our lesson with the last film. Nobody wants to see our superheroes deconstructed. They want to see them in all their glory. They basically were saying, we need to put our superheroes being more super and crashing through more buildings and more 13-minute series of them punching each other without actually having a story. Yep. Without actually real effects or anything else like that. We just want more of the stuff we did wrong with the first film. And that's what Aquaman's already looking like to me. More of what was wrong. You know, nobody's getting through their thick skulls that you can make a good film and other people are already doing it. They're just ignoring that and making garbage, knowing that they're going to. I've gotten real sour <laughs> on this. It's just, really I'll, I care I'll... about these characters and I feel like they should be doing a good job with I'll them. I'll spin it another way because I actually in some circumstances, am a fan of Aquaman. What Marvel has done really well under Kevin Feige and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is decide on a definitive take for each character, which absolutely worked in film uh, form. Where they messed up with Aquaman was instead of choosing like a Justice League Unlimited type uh, political radical isolationist just looking out for like the health of the oceans, they instead went with reluctant monarch outcast it has to come in and be like the chosen one which isn't nearly as compelling to me especially especially when you're asking a lot of that internal acting to be done by somebody like jason momoa who is so much better at the physical stuff and if you could have him instead like sticking up for the oceans and almost like being a 1990s save the whales but like i'm serious and will punch you in the face about it type person that would be a movie that would be so much better and that's actually something that i could see jason momoa playing because in his real life he is like very staunchly environmentalist and like pro uh sovereignty for people in island nations and things like that that's something that i could get on board with instead they made him this like reluctant guy hanging out in a northern european village which strange place to pick given all the beaches (laughs) in the world um and it's it, yeah, it's just and the they, wrong they, take. They I'm can, not excited we can about still this get that that guy. Just I don't know. Yeah, I just I'm going off the trailers, obviously, which already are pretty dangerous in that they what they've only released one or so. Usually, there's like a hype. I mean, there's a bunch of different on. TV cuts. I'm seeing a ton of ads for it when I watch NBA games, for example. I don't watch TV, so I'm out of the loop on that. Let alone NBA games. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing much. Usually there's a huge hype machine. We we just got on the second uh, Captain Marvel trailer that they just put out there, let yeah. alone all the covers and screenshots that they've been putting out all across the social media. We're not getting that with Aquaman. It seems very tame, which says to me that they're going to release this around the holidays when everybody's going to be going to movies anyway. Going yeah, they like, just need the a Christmas? movie to go to. Exactly. There's no Star Wars, so it's easy pickings, and we're just going to throw that out there. And I think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to take its cake. 
If, yeah, well, in that I, way, yeah. I would not be surprised if the second weekend of Enter the Spider Verse beats Aquaman in its opening. Let's come back to that. That's that's a good. We'll come thing. back to that. We want to what, do like uh, a bet. We, I don't have any stake <laughs> in that, but yeah, should, uh, maybe lose. we should make a bet of some sort on that. We'll figure that out. It's animated, so it'll be more like family friendly. You'd think. Yeah. Yeah. Is it PG thirteen? I don't think so. I think it's no. PG. Yeah, I could definitely see families going out for that one more than Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, one more thing on the uh, the DC Universe films that we wanted to talk about. That it, just you and I were just spitballing about off the air. What they really need in this revamping is to just use the Flashpoint movie, which is coming up, as that point where they can just be like, okay, the multiverse is real. Here's the CW shows over here. Here's uh here's the movie universe, yeah. and here we're uh where we're gonna make Flash like pull all the things that you actually like about the current DC films like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, right. and just pop over into another uh universe inside the multiverse, and that's where we'll do the rest of these movies now. Like just abandon all of the stuff that hasn't worked so far. Take the Flash because Ezra Miller is so charming as the Flash. Like I mean, yeah. his his neurotic take on it is really good. Uh. Keep Gal Gadot because she is an international symbol. And Keep like, the one success you've had. Exactly. <laughs> and just ditch the rest of it and move on. Like maybe maybe bring along Jason Momoa. It'll it'll really depend on how the box office reacts to so Aquaman. You're saying... but I'm still a believer in like some sort of him playing that character. I think that right. there's there's green field there to be plowed and I, they just haven't found it yet. I, uh, I like that metaphor. So you're saying that the Flash should do a version of Flashpoint Go back in time, recast the other films, <laughs> and hire new directors and producers to give themselves a better film. Which I mean, that would, would be, be amazing. an amazing yeah, storyline where he not only breaks the timeline, he <laughs> breaks he through the universe, our universe and our universe and says, you know what? No Zack Snyder. Not, just go start with Joss you know, first and do that. Start with Joss first. Yeah, and then, would be the then most we amazing. don't get a little fake mustache lip of Superman oh, in those yeah. yeah. Okay. God, that stuff was so I'm weird. going with your thing, yeah. I like that, right? Yeah, DC, please listen to this. He not only goes back in time, he comes into our universe and fixes your mistakes. All right, since we're arguing about uh, comic book movies this episode anyway, which right. I feel like we haven't really done in a while. I feel no. like you and I really haven't gotten into like the DC Marvel stuff in a while. I happen to be looking around for stories for this episode, and I happen to cross one on io9, which we usually love. It's, a, it's one of the... Um, the verticals within Gizmodo that's like their yeah. pop culture, science fiction, um, and comic book type stuff. That's where they post like reviews and things like that. And so I I want to preface this by saying that no one should really get that upset about the way a headline is written because <laughs> that's ridiculous. Don't I do it. I know where you're going with this. But I saw this headline and I nearly rolled my eyes out of my head. So here it is for everybody. The merch for Captain Marvel is so good, it may bring a tear to your eye. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? So, I, so, speaking as somebody who works in the realm of clickbait. <laughs> yes. You clicked on it. I did. Did anything bring a tear to your eye? No, absolutely not. But you still clicked on it. I still clicked on it because I was like, well, why would it? Because I have no attachment to this character yet. The movie hasn't come out. I don't have any attachment to the comic book character because like this happened in Captain Marvel as a, as Carol Danvers has had a rise during some years of Marvel comics when I just wasn't reading 
mainline yeah. Marvel comics. I didn't keep up with any of those events or any of the Kelly Sue DeConnick stuff that was going on with Captain Marvel. So it's a, it's a blind spot for me. But I think that this is also one of those rare blind spot advantages that I have in terms of coming at this from a point of view from general audience rather than as like a through and through nerd. And in that way, I do not understand the hype and marketing around Captain Marvel at all. This this movie and this character in particular is being hyped to the point that we've all just begun to assume that Captain Marvel, Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, is the future of the MCU. Yeah. And we haven't even seen her on screen yet. So there's a couple things. Is Marvel is reaching the end of an era. And this is just my own personal take on this. Captain America, Iron Man, all those folks that we've been invested in for so long aren't going to really be there anymore. And I think Marvel is looking towards the next phase and what they're going to do. And they're trying to rebuild what they've already built. And people are going to disagree with me on this, but I wasn't that into Iron Man when those films first came out. I became interested in Iron Man because those films came out and made me interested in them. And I think Captain Marvel is very similar in that a lot of people don't know who this person is. Especially if you're not into comic books, you probably have no idea who this person is. The character and the name also have a super confusing history right, as well. Right. Because DC had a Ms. Captain Marvel, Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah, and then DC, you're There's right. There's also been Marvel, who I think is being played by Jude Law in this, who was Captain Marvel <laughs> in the comics for a while as well. Right. So we have this whole. Yeah, this whole confusing timeline. The character is a little bit more. If you, it's it's a character that you know if you are into comic books. But what Marvel has had to do is go out to the cinematic universe and bring people into their universe, and they've done it very well up until now. So I think this next era of Marvel is Captain Marvel. The way they're presenting her is going to be like the new Captain America type person, the person that's going to, everybody's going to rally around mm -hmm. and they need them to be magnificent and they need to be all powerful and great. And then we're going to get all these other characters that maybe we're not as aware of um, that are out there. You know, maybe we're going to do some more with Falcon, which I hope we do. You know, maybe we're going to do some stuff that have been kind of side characters. I think that's essentially what they're trying to set up and having Captain Marvel obviously have something to do with this last Avengers movie is going to have something to do with it. They did a similar thing with Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I don't think a lot of people knew who that was. I mean, the, the main difference for me is that Guardians of the Galaxy came out almost as like a heat check. Like they were like, okay, we're, yeah. we're 10 for 10 at this point. If we put out another one with characters who even comic book readers are barely familiar with, Right. Will it still do well? And that movie was good enough, I think mostly thanks to James Gunn and the way that they put that right. thing together, that... It still did really well, and I became a believer in the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. And now we we have things like Rocket Raccoon being marketed right alongside Captain America and Iron Man, which I right. never would have dreamed of. In well, Rocky alone, that character, who would have thought a CGI <laughs> talking raccoon, talking raccoon yeah. would work in a film, and you would accept with violent it. tendencies, right? So I mean, a lot. Well, I think a lot of the credit goes to. Um, who actually did? I mean, everybody know, thinks Bradley Cooper did the yeah he did the voice, but that character was actually played by Sean Gunn. Who I don't know if you know this. Oh my god! <laughs> but there was a show called Gilmore oh Girls. My god. Yeah, no, no, and he played Kirk on I... Gilmore Girls, and now he's the raccoon on the... monumental. And he's a uh, uh, Kragen, Kragen. Yeah, he's 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 an. I can't even remember his yeah. name. Yeah, the guy that played uh, Kragen, Kraglin. Craglin. There Craglin. You go. Yeah. Craglin. 
also was Kirk from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Our, people who joined the show in season three are not going to get that joke at all. Well, they should go watch some Gilmore Girls, and then maybe and, they'll, oh, they'll understand Or listen it. to the first two seasons of Northwest. So we talked about this. Captain Marvel has this m- merchandise that'll bring a tear to your eye. Whatever you think about the character, is it significant enough? I don't know. What were these products that were actually... They're just things with the Captain Marvel branding on them they've got the uh that the i don't know how many points that star has on it with the gold stripes on it right with the blue and the red and it's all very uh it's kind of like i think the it dress looks, is cool it looks patriotic but it isn't kind of stuff yeah Could although the best the best uh comic book movie product tie-in that i've seen is the uh the upcoming uh december 14th it comes in all family different sizes air jordan one Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse edition. Oh, really? They look great. It's like the classic black and red Why colorway. Why am I not surprised you would be the one to know this? But with it, the, the really cool uh, uh, detail to it is some of the blue that they add to it to make it more uh, Spider-Man color scheme. But then also like the uh, like the dot matrix, um, there's an homage to that as well, but they're only reflective in the coloring and it's really mm. cool. There's there's some tiny details in that that are really cool. That's my favorite product tie-in for any of these. So if Captain Marvel's uh, not your bag of tea, then you have Nike, those Jordans. Air Jordans, which I'm surprised they're still making, but yeah. Wow, it's a, it's wow. a popular product, yeah. but this when's has been the last a gigantic time guy... year for Air Jordan 1s, man. I don't, yeah. I don't even know what to tell you if you don't understand that. Oh, no, I get the product, but I mean, and Michael Jordan's like huge basketball player in the 90s. But is this my hot? Are people gonna like hate me on the internet? I mean, people are gonna hate you. They're just gonna think that you're really out of touch. Oh, I'm totally out of touch. I'm wearing Keds right now. Okay, (laughs) they're cheap and they last. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I'll cover the sneaker stuff from now on. Yes, Uh, you're on the sneaker beat. (laughs) I think we need to get into your feature this week, which is uh, on Seattle's comic book cop, Officer Kevin Stuckey. Um, Just what a story and what a profile of a nerd in the community here and the lessons that he has able to bring from comic books into not just his role as a police officer, but even some of the roles that he's filled with in that life where he was a school resource officer and all kinds of, I won't spoil anything, but just hearing how comic books and the characters in them and the ideals upheld by these characters has led him through his life was a really fascinating listen. And I can't wait for, uh, for people to hear your feature this week. I have rarely seen such an impressive display of notable and collectible comic books just sitting there. Usually, comic books like this are out of reach at a Comic-Con or under glass at a shop. But here, they're just out in the open. The first eight issues, original copies, mind you, of Luke Cage, Hero for Hire. That Black Panther special series where he took on the KKK, it's right there. Captain America 117. It's the first introduction of the Falcon. And it's all just on a shelf, not under glass, not in a safe. Though, when you think about it, perhaps there's no better place to store comic books like this than in a building with a controlled entry and surrounded by cops. I'm in the office of Seattle Police Officer Kevin Stuckey. I'm the president of the Seattle Police Officers Guild. I've been a Seattle Police Officer for 24 years. In my interactions with Officer Stuckey, there are a couple things that are quite evident. One, he's a union guy. 
Officer Stuckey is the head of the Seattle Police Officers Guild, which is the police union. He is quite skilled in talking PR, and he can go on and on about police relationships with community members, city leaders, all the local hot-button issues. And two, this is a big one, this cop is a nerd. I love comic books. They helped me get in an awkward stage in my life to feel uh, inclusive to people I wanted to be included with. They gave me a, a sense of purpose and like a, what I wanted to do. Why do. Why does Batman do what Batman does? It's because he wants to help his community. He wants to see Gotham be a better place. That's the whole premise of Batman. Everything, all those things are why I'm a police officer. He's been reading them since he was a kid, growing up between Detroit and New York. Now, the worlds of a cop and a comic book fan may seem far apart, but in Officer Stuckey's case, they're actually quite related. And in today's modern world of officer-involved controversies and changing culture around policing, maybe comic books offer a fresh perspective. My mom was strung out on drugs, and she used to leave me and my younger sister alone a lot. We were four or five years old. One day, a police officer knocked at the door, looking for a friend of my mom's who had committed a crime. And you would think that the rules would have been, don't open the door, don't answer the phone, those kind of things. She never gave us that. She just left. So when someone knocked on the door, I answered it. So I answered it, and there were three police officers, two in uniform, one in plain clothes. And they were looking for a friend of my mom's. She wasn't there. They saw that my sister and I were alone. So they told us to go get a coat. We went and got a coat. And we went down to the precinct. They left a note on the door for my mother to come get us. So my sister and I wind up standing at the lobby of that precinct all day. And all day turned into early evening. Um, I knew the, I was in trouble because the sun started to go down. That's when I started to panic. Um, I wasn't crying or anything, but I clearly had a weird look on my face because of a police officer. He came up and he said, what's wrong, little man? And I, was, I told him I messed up, that I should have never opened the door. My mom's going to be upset. And he told me, um, he said, nope, don't think like that. He said, a real man always looks out for his family. You were looking out for your sister. And there's no way you guys should have been in there by yourself. Then he takes me over to the vending machine which there's something else that marked my life, which was he bought me a Zagnut candy bar. I don't mean to speak ill of the people who created that confection, but that is the worst tasting <laughs> piece of candy I've ever had in my life. But I ate it anyway because he bought it for me. Um, years later, my mom told me the reason why she never showed was uh, she thought she had a warrant for arrest, so she never showed. For a time, the one constant aspect of his life was a corner magazine store in New York. And at the time, my mom was uh, heavily uh, into drugs, and so were the people in her life. So a lot of times I was, uh, you know, sent away to do things, and I became really good friends with um, the newspaper guy at the corner. I wasn't attending school, so the comic books was like, I had to do something, but it also it was a conversation starter, because then... Um, when I started meeting kids and actually um, friends, I had something to talk about. You know, I was a kid who knew that um, Superman's 
weaknesses weren't just kryptonite that he's also um has a really uh big weakness to magic like so you know so if it was dr strange versus superman i would go dr strange in a minute magic messes with him so he was going between his mom and foster care homes a lot no one knew he wasn't attending school it was kind of like this secret you can imagine how stories about powerful characters who also hold secrets and vulnerabilities might appeal to a kid like that. Uh, coming out of foster care, so I'm probably about um, nine, ten years old. But and it was my mom. Her life was spiraling. She did, you know, she she had moments where she was okay. She could maintain a job. She would slip back into her old habits, and we'd wind up having to go back to Detroit. So. You know, and the last time that happened, it was pretty, pretty bad. And I wound up staying in Detroit. So a few things happened in Detroit. All of a sudden, he had access to an English class, which he really liked. He took to writing and entering high school. He even started to develop his very own comic book series. It was called Tales of the Kool-Aid Kid and his sidekick, R.C. R.C. Cola. The person who wasn't a part of my life at the time was my um, father. He was still in Michigan, and he had uh, remarried and pretty much had other kids, and I saw very little of him. And the Kool-Aid Kid was this character who was, um, if you say, hey, I can run faster than anybody I know, he could run faster than you. And his sidekick, R.C., he knew he couldn't live without him because R.C. was always saving his butt, but he never paid any attention to him. But that was me. I was R.C., and ultimately, that's how I felt about my father. And I was able, how I was able to express that without actually yelling at him or sending him a picture of my middle finger and putting it in the mail, <laughs> which my brother did. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think enough to do that, but my brother did it. Stucky thought for a while he might end up being a writer after high school, but he didn't get into the college he wanted. So instead, he took another route out of Detroit and into the Air Force. He wasn't able to do a lot of comic collecting for a while, but during this time in the military, he got married to his first wife. and She was from the Seattle area, so when he got out, they ended up in the Northwest, looking for the next step, looking for a new job. I literally um, worked at a, a comic book store, uh, Spider's Web, out in Federal Way. Um, Jim Franklin was the owner, and I literally like worked in his store and you know he like gave me free comics they, that was exchanged for the work and it was like a, a really great time in the comic industry uh it wasn't just um marvel and dc you had image was coming out it was just like this massive explosion of course in this imperfect world comic books don't pay the rent but then he saw an ad seattle police department was hiring stucky got the thinking that 45 seconds when I was a little kid, when that police officer was kind to me, um, that 45 seconds marked what kind of father I was going to be, what kind of person I was going to be, and what profession I was going to have. Um, I can tell you that um, at 24 years as a police officer, I'm proud of what I do and how as long as I'm in the position that I'm in, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to show people that there's something else, and I, I get to be a superhero, you know, I don't get all the accolades that they get in the comic book, but um, I get people who say thank you. Thank you for being here. I, I dig that.
Officer Stuckey came on my radar over the past year when he was giving away. I'm going to say that again. Giving away. Original copies of Fantastic Four issues 52 and 53. It was in these pages, 1966, that Black Panther first appeared anywhere. Stucky organized this giveaway. 11-year-old and 5th grader Kira Nagai won the prize. Every time I felt absolutely amazing about what I was doing, when I felt like I had a win, those were all when I was a school resource officer and actually working with young people. And then it dawned on me that I had been chasing that faceless police officer that was kind to me 43 years ago. You think about 45 seconds of a positive interaction changed my course of who I am as a person. If you go back in time, and, and DC and Marvel has done this, what if we went back in time to when I was five or six years old, and instead of the, instead of the positive interaction that I had with that police officer, would I be a police officer today? But I also have to think about how I interact with people and how other police officers interact with people. Bigger picture here, in case you have not tuned into any news surrounding the Seattle Police Department over the past few years, it has been tense. This is a long and complicated and very political story, but the short version is that the Department of Justice investigated reports of biased policing and excessive force in Seattle in 2011, and it concluded that the Seattle Police Department, quote, engaged in a pattern or practice of excessive force that violates the Constitution and federal law, unquote. So this led to a consent decree in 2012, which is basically an agreement between the feds and local cities. It kicked off a whole range of reforms to make over the Seattle Police Department. And while all of that was going on, the union contract with police officers expired. And cops went years without pay raises, all during a time when the cost of living in Seattle exploded. Cops stayed on the job anyway. And also, during this time, there were multiple high-profile and very controversial officer-involved shootings and other incidents. So, yeah, very tense. Not even considering the big picture that this is just Seattle's chapter in a national story. And Officer Stuckey has been on the job during all of this. Um, if you look at Civil War, Civil War was uh, the New Warriors, and I can't remember the name of the character, but he had his power has to do something with bubbles. He had like a really interesting power. He but is talking right about right the Civil right War storyline from Marvel Comics, by the way. And they were fighting him and trying to take him into custody, and they were near his school when he exploded, and he wound up killing a bunch of kids. And it was at that point in time that Tony Stark and the federal government all decided we've got to take control of these superheroes. They're out of control. we got to have regulation. When I look at what's going on in our country as far as policing, that's what people are saying. The power that we wield as police officer is given. People give us. I have the ability to um, come in and take your freedom and in some cases maybe even in some cases take your life well that that's a power that was given to me by the members of the community well they can take it back um, in some cases that's exactly what they're doing when you see people marching they, they're saying we want the ability to take back our power that if you're not going to use it the way we think you should use it that we're going to take that power back 
I think that's what's going on in our country right now. Um, as a police officer, and you're right, I am the representative of the police union. What I like to say is that I am nobody's adversary. I am everyone's ally. I will put on my uniform and go to work, and if I have to be someone's adversary, it's because they're the bad guy. What's happening in our country is that somehow, somewhere, we lost sight on who the bad guy actually is and what it actually means to be a bad guy. So now bad guys are, can be police officers. Uh, this is not something that used to happen before. So the first, thing, the first step is to realize that that can happen. You know, that that can happen, that police officers, some police officers can be bad guys. And that our role as the good guy is we stop all bad guys. But it is. It is difficult because as we are changing, our communities are changing. They're changing how they look, how they act, how they vote. And we have to have the ability to adapt. To me, that's policing in the 21st century. And since we are talking about comic books... There's a different story arc, and you got to be prepared. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you got to continue. Seattle is a pretty political town. There are a lot of voices. Officer Stuckey is one, and he might not see eye to eye with everyone, and that's okay with him, because he approaches Seattle with a philosophy. As much as that um, our community is changing, I, we have to remind each other that at the end of the comic book, um, good always wins. Even to go back to the Thanos reference, everybody was working together. When they were all working together, they were winning. When someone went off on their own and wasn't working with the team, Thanos won. When we work together, we can defeat any enemy. And, you know, that's that's if I can if we get nothing out of anything we talked about today, it's that. And look at the they showed you in Avengers three. When we work together, we can win. I want, I want to get back to us winning. <laughs> That's my goal. I, I like it when the Avengers win. So, That's all for this week. If you like what you hear on this here program, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts or Facebook. Give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Our theme music, as always, is by the Hoot Hoots. Shout out to them. Music of Dyer's Piece is by Kevin McLeod. And if you're not already, then make sure that you're following us on all the socials. Uh, Facebook, we're NW Nerd Podcast. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, we're at NW underscore nerd. And if you're into going out to nerdy events, then you're going to want to follow the Northwest Nerd Alert page on Facebook. It's NW Nerd Alert. Just make a request over there and Dyer will let you in as long as you're not a Russian bot. The isolated feature will be up on Monday. And then after that, we'll have another roundtable for you. So I will see you next week, nerds. I know which one you're talking about, but I remember nothing else about it. I can't even remember the name. So, yeah. Stand by you sounds... Stand by you? It's not stand by by me. me. No. It's a... I can't remember. They say stand by me once. Shame (laughs) on me. (laughs) It could stand by me again. (laughs) All right. You think it's bad that I exclusively do the George W. Bush version of that saying? (laughs) A man stand by can't be be stand by again. (laughs)